0: Welcome to Getting to the Truth in this Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I am interviewing the Media Relations Manager for the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. Please welcome Eliza Brand. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So... I have spy questions. I have weird questions. I have questions I want to start off with, such as, can you give us the, the vital stats? Can you describe your work? And how did you get into the, the, mu- the museum scene, specifically this one?
1: Right. Um, we, we do leave, live in our own uh, niche a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, so I work at the international spy museum. Um, we have been around since 2002, um, which is kind of incredible for, um, a paid museum on the mall. We're a nonprofit, uh, a private nonprofit that relies on our ticket sales, um, our membership, our donation. Um, so we're, we're very lucky to have fans kind of all around the country and locally and, um, and Everyone who's keeping us really working on the, the stuff we love. Um, we moved actually in May 2019 to a new building in L'Enfant Plaza. So we are no longer on our F Street location. Um, and, and it's been such fun. I think for us, we've been able to really expand the material and um, and and do so in a in an expansive way. So looking at diversity in stories, in countries, in, you know, how we, how we get to tell stories, what technology we can use to tell those stories. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a real joy as for me, I got into this space as, um, you know, a, a, just a regular political science major living in the world. Um, I, uh, I had joined a PR, um, boutique agency, uh, down in DC and had a number of different clients. Um, several of which were actually museum related. And I found that I really, really enjoyed that kind of work. Um, I of course have always loved the spy museum and I'm not saying that because I'm paid to do so. Um, (laughs) but no, I remember when I first went and it must've been 2002 or 2003 because I am local. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I was obsessed with it. I thought it was the coolest place I had ever seen. Um, it really brought history to life for me, which at the time I just thought was fun, but meant that I was learning. Yeah. Um, so when this job became available, I of course applied and didn't think that they'd give it to me, but um, but somehow I lucked out and they've been stuck with me for five and a half years ever since.
0: <laughs> that's that's wonderful. It's wonderful to go into that that space and like I just remember like thinking about working in a museum and even looking at a museum like I, I don't work in a museum, but having that interest and I've applied for jobs in there and uh, like the Walters of the, the art oriented museums. And it's just like, no, this is this is cool. And I don't want a night at the museum vibe kind of kind of thing. I don't want that. But, you know, it's just like, oh, you're able to learn something. You're seeing all of these different people. And depending on what your role is, you can spark up a conversation with someone. And I think especially with like D.C. kind of being like, I think, a city of transplants, you have so many different people that can come through on, in, in normal terms. Um, so I, I read that the International Spy Museum has the largest collection of espionage-related artifacts ever placed in public display. And that's a Guinness record. Um, how many artifacts are, are, are there? And um, what are some of the artifacts that stick out to you? Like Any objects with maybe a really interesting story?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, honestly, it's it's an unending list um, to be perfectly frank. It is. It's a it's a crazy long list. And, and we're so lucky that, um, you know, we, we even tripled our collection. I want to say four years ago. i wow. is as a kind of, you know, construct these days. So I think it was four years ago. It might have been five. But um, <laughs> yeah, so so we really we, we've been able to expand. We have so many new items to play with. But I'd say some of the, the most well-known and well-loved are probably our buttonhole camera. So it's a coat um, where, you know, there's a trigger device in the pocket and you yeah. can take a photo from it's really the second button down on the coat. Yeah. Um, people love that one. We have a shoe heel transmitter. Uh, that's an Eastern European piece. Um, and it, it reminds people, I think, of the shoe phone from Get Smart, even yeah. though it's a transmitter. It's not a full phone. Um, <laughs> and I honestly the rectal toolkit, kids and adults. Everyone <laughs> kind of looks at that for a little bit longer than everything else, trying to do the math of what that um, entails. But again, I remind people it is a creative problem solving item. So while it looks funny, it really was developed to um, address a serious issue.
0: Entails <laughs> um, is kind of funny, by the way. It's a little <laughs> punish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. pun
1: intended. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. And then finally, I'd say, our ice axe. So we have a one of a kind item, the ice axe that was used in the Leon Trotsky assassination. So oh. that, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy item. It um, has a story of, you know, how it was used, but there's also the story of the collector who spent, you know, four decades trying to track this item down. It was really his white whale. Um, and he found it under the uh, bed of someone in, uh, in Mexico. <laughs> Wow. Finally, after 40 plus years. And, um, and so there's still this bloody fingerprint that's rusted on it. And um, that was part of the process of figuring yeah. out, is it the one? Mm-hmm. There are fakes out there. It's a weird, weird space.
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, authenticating is like, yeah, well, that blood is type O and I believe you are the type. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd imagine that Many of the items are donated. They're they're sourced in that way. What um, are they donated anonymously? Because my natural thought is like, is this donor a spy? Like, do I, am I? Is this? Does this have nerve gas attached? Like, what's the situation like? And like, so so, how ultimately are the majority of the items sourced? And has there been some of those instances where you later find out like you're in the back end of the Saint movie? <laughs>
1: Um, You know, we've, we've actually been very fortunate so far with, um, with uh, collecting items. Um, I think, especially as, as people have realized how um, legitimate we are, you know, our reputation is, you know, after 20 years, people understand that we're, we're in the game. We have a very serious mission, an educational mission and a very serious advisory board. Um, You get more and more um, historians or collectors themselves who want to bring a home to their artifacts where, you know, someone will take care of them and preserve them appropriately rather than having them, you know, sit around the house. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think it's, you collect each thing, um, in its own way. And some people will go into a country when the government falls and it's a lot easier to kind of collect items that are no longer tied to whatever, you know, world they're in right now. Um, but it just depends
0: that's, that's legit. Um, yeah, I, I just, as I was looking at it, I was like, Hmm, that's there. That's there. All right. There are spies involved. Like, what do we got? <laughs> that's literally what my, my thinking was. I was just like, this, this could go left. Like, look, I'm coming here to take all of these artifacts and build my own spy museum. So
1: we do our homework, so it helps. <laughs>
0: fantastic. Fantastic. Cause, um, we, we have this, um, I had a, a guest on this podcast. Um, it's a dude named, um, Evan Woodard who does this thing called, um, salvage archaeology and he finds different, um, like, um, what is it called, privies and things in and around Baltimore. And he will find like, oh, there there was a trash like we're going to find stuff from like 1801 here. And he donates a lot of the stuff like bottles. He's found uh, small pistols, teeth, knives, all of these different things. And he's donated to the Museum of Industry and he'll sell some of the stuff, the bottles and such. But and, and I was just thinking, it's like, wow what does that look like from the spy standpoint but it makes a lot of sense of you know different things have changed and these things are now available these items are now available and then immediately my next thought is you guys have a james bond car right you got like a blimp like (laughs) we
1: we have our db5 aston martin you know uh, and no spy museum would be complete without a bond car i imagine
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes yes
1: yeah so it's i mean it's a fan favorite we have that in our lobby so right when you walk in you get that. Um, and then you go in and I, I will say most of our content is not pop culture related. We have very few pieces that are not, um, real world, real history items, mm-hmm. but that feels so appropriate. <laughs> anyway.
0: Obviously it's like, you've seen it here. Here's the real version. It's like, oh, it's a lot smaller. You get, I would imagine you have guys come in there like with tuxedo zone thinking like, yeah, man, this is going to be great. It's like, no, you're going to learn something today. Uh, here's the real world equivalent of what you saw in your favorite movie. So various industries have changed since uh, 2020 with like pandemic, obviously. Um, And I like to look at it like this. We used to go out back in my day. We used to go out. How has the International Spy Museum like pivoted in the response to like COVID? And what from your vantage point, what is the role of a museum, any museum um, in today's like world?
1: Yeah, those are good questions, I'd say. um, As for COVID, uh, I think we are kind of like probably any cultural institution you've had on. Um, So it's been really figuring out how to create a visitor experience that is as safe as possible, as comfortable as possible, and as thoughtful as possible. So whether that means, Developing new protocols like um, one way flow through the museum, limiting capacity, cleaning protocols. Um, We've we've done it all. Um, So we really look to the um, D.C. mayor, health authorities, um, anyone and everyone um, for recommendations on how to do this best. And then we've added our own flair on top of everything. So. We talk about, you know, for a good mission, you know, you have to you have to be aware of the constraints in advance. It's preparedness <laughs> for your mission. So we try to make it all fun um, and and enjoyable. But yeah, we've we've been really um, thoughtful about how we've gone about it all. Um, as for uh, what a museum does, I think I think it's hard to have you know, a hard and fast rule. I think that each institution has to figure out where they exist. Um, yeah. For us, it's, you know, we can't fit the entire history of intelligence and espionage into a museum as much yeah. as we'd love to. Um, we would, gosh, that would be a very large space. We cannot afford that. Um, <laughs> guys, donate if you want to see more. Um, no, but but really, at the end of the day, it's you want people to see enough to get excited, to yeah. learn, to kind of peak interest in in diving in further so we want to show people kind of everything there is to some degree, and yeah. then hope that they're so excited that they they want to learn more and they can come to our author programs that dive a little bit further into specific moments in history or book talks that are more focused or workshops. Um, we do a surveillance one hundred and one workshop for adults for people who want to do yeah. that. So um, yeah, we're just excited to to help people get excited about history and learning and um, espionage in general.
0: Yeah, it's 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 almost like a it, this is not the same, but I think it's in the space. It's it's as if it's a, a sample of it. If you get the full thing, then it's just like, well, why do you cover this? Why do you cover what happened in Mozambique? Cause it's like we're not covering that. We're here's the the general thing. It's like who else is doing this? You know, <laughs> like here's the general thing, Everyone. and Everyone. then then extend. You know, then extend. Like you said, it's very it's a niche. It's a niche place. Um, so y- y- background. I want to talk about marketing a little bit. So. What tools do you believe are most effective in maybe marketing the exhibits that that are there? Like, is it doing video? Is it like, hey, here's an infographic? What does what does that look like?
1: I think it depends on what audience you're you're looking to serve. Um, yeah. So for us, we're we're very lucky, even though we are kind of a niche topic we're very broad. Like who doesn't want to learn more about espionage? I I don't know those people, you know? (laughs) Um, so, so we really, we look at who we're trying to connect with and how they learn best and how they get excited most. Um, so that might be video. Um, infographics are always great. I mean, the visual is, is always best. Um, but, but yeah, some people learn by reading the wall text and they want that information. They want it to be in depth. Other people, they want to play the interactives. They want to, um, experience it themselves. And by doing so they're learning, um, some people, I mean, it's really, it's, it's different for everyone. So we try to have a, a very diverse, um, offering, uh, in activities and, um, the way we present our content in the museum. Um, our social media person does a great job of trying to give additional behind the scenes information yeah. about espionage. So it really, it, it, we try to access our audience wherever they live.
0: Yeah, I think meeting people where they're at is, is very important. And it can't be a, a one size, even though it sounds so cliche, but a one size fit all kind of approach. Um, because like for me, like I'm a person that has a fair amount of interest in like espionage and kind of like, how does this happen? Like, how does this work? But then the thing that would hit me is like trivia. It's like if someone had like in their Instagram story, who was the blah, 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 blah. I'm like, "Oh, that was clearly Lord Feather Featherbottom or whatever, I, I don't know." <laughs> you know, this is the person that was assassinated with that that axe with the bloody thumbprint. Um so, yeah, you know, that's where I would be at, but then other people to your point would be like, "Hey, how can I go there and re- actually experience this in this way?" Um so, what is it? What kind of I guess who are the main um not clients, but who are the main visitors? Like in terms of profile, would it be like, yeah, we get a lot of students that come here or we get a lot of 55 year old dudes that are balding. Like <laughs> what, 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 what are you mostly getting in terms of um, who, who's going there to the museum?
1: You know, again, not to, not to say the same thing. Um, but, but I will say we are so fortunate that espionage is interesting to a lot of people. Um, we don't have kind of one or two or three audiences. We, um, we run the gamut. Sometimes it's the kids who really want to come and then the adults agree to come and then realize it's actually amazing once they're there. Um, some, you have some young people who take people on dates to go to the spy museum because it's kind of fun and interactive, but you can talk and you have something to talk about. Um, (laughs) We have former intelligence officers who oh, wow. come, so we really—I mean—to to be something that's interesting for folks who've been in that space, as well as children who, you know, are in fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a very broad space that we we really we're trying to please everyone um, and get everyone excited about the material.
0: It's under the banner. I, I love it. I can uh, almost see like someone that has that background, with the intelligence. It's like, yeah, this is legit. Uh huh. Yeah, I used that before. It's like, what? Um,
1: Absolutely. You'd be shocked. I mean, some people bring their families. Uh, to the Spy Museum to tell them about the work that they had done yeah. when they were younger. So it's very cool to be a part of that, um, as well as, again, just a destination for for locals, for people across the nation, people internationally yeah. uh, come. So it's it's a little bit of everything for everyone.
0: <laughs> That's great. It's like, hey, I couldn't tell you about this, but look, right there, I may or may not have used that at a point <laughs> in my previous life. I, I remember a job that I had in the past that um, me and one of my buddies we both wore glasses. I was like, "Yo, I need spy glasses and one little camera right there. I can kind of cheat on this test or something like." I can... <laughs> or just people on their dates with the earpiece and it's like, "Yo, say this, please. Please oh she's now, going yeah. <laughs> to leave you. She's going to leave you. Please say this. This was a uh, this was a date idea. I hope you're going for a good dinner afterwards." <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely and and i will say when i was a kid when i came the first time to the spy yeah. museum when it had recently opened i uh i started <laughs> this just shows you i'm in the right um space for myself but um i used to i started passing notes using the cardano grill system <laughs> in that uh, elementary early middle school um because i didn't want anyone to just to be able to read my notes. So we had, I created two Cardano girls that were the same um, shape and had the same cutout spots. Yeah. And I would write a whole document. I just a whole letter to whatever about <laughs> unknown things. And it would be like meet at the water fountain three fifteen. I I thought it was very cool. That, no, that, <laughs> very
0: that is very cool. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's both nerdy and cool. It can be both at the same time.
1: Why, thank you. It, <laughs> I
0: appreciate it's, that. It's like a Reese's cup, you know, don't, don't put your peanut butter in my chocolate.
1: Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Best candy. You
0: know. Yeah, sure, so. sure. You get it. Uh, what creative projects do you do in your own time? Like um, obviously I would imagine you have a, a busy schedule, like pretty much running everything there at the museum. I mean, I mean you said this is your title, but I, I know better. I know better. Uh, but <laughs> what, what what do you kind of do creatively in your own time?
1: gosh, I, I don't even know. I mean, it's especially this past couple of years has been such an odd time. Um, and I, I surely first would like to say, I do not run that place. Um, I have a fabulous team that I get to work with, um, on the exhibition side, the guest services side, my own communications team. Um, I am so lucky. Um, they are all fabulous and so, so wonderful to be, um, working with, but yeah, in my, in my own time, I, um, what do I even do? I don't know. I've, I've taken, um, I guess just looking at the last couple of years, I took an improv class, um, this past, uh, kind of fall. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, I did a poetry, um, workshop, uh, last year. So I, I like to do, um, things that are kind of in that space. I like yeah. writing, which I guess makes sense for someone who rights in their job um, and, and keep it interesting. I was terrible at improv, but I think it was a lot of fun to, uh, I don't know, to mess around and and learn about a new discipline that I was unfamiliar with.
0: No that's that's legit and um on a on a uh weekendish like uh fr- late Friday Saturday I'm usually recording this podcast at an improv space oh, and cool. <laughs> uh yeah um at the uh, Baltimore Improv Group um big next to the uh, train station so come on up you should check it out it's a lot of fun um I'm, I
1: will <laughs>
0: Yeah and um like you know I I think it's I like improv was a little sketchy for me because I'm not a rule follower per se, but I can think on my feet and it's like, oh, you'd be good at improv. I was like, yeah, but I feel like there are rules here, though. And I am <laughs> I'm lagging
1: <laughs> there are guidelines, you know, this, this, is, this is true.
0: And like, <laughs> yeah, look, and. <laughs> but when they you know, like it's like when you're bowling, right, when they put up the little bumpers uh, now nah, and nah, mm, just throw it over them. I don't believe I in love
1: it. the bumpers. So then you get to go for the fun shots, things that don't even make any sense. <laughs> it's
0: a very spy thing that you just said right there. Just ricocheting. Uh, <laughs> are, do do you, um, being that you're in a museum space and you interact with various like people who are coming there and various people who have different levels of experience working there. Are you a person that collects anything?
1: You know, I don't. Um, hmm. I, I know people who do. I mean, I guess, obviously I know people who do, but, um, at the museum, I think there are a few people who have, um, just in their own time, not yet. Things are expensive, I will say. And, um, I think after watching like the great work that our team does, I'd feel kind of weird about just having something living in my house rather than, you know, a very temperature controlled, thoughtful environment, (laughs) but Maybe one day.
0: <laughs> that That's cool. I mean, I, um, I've um, i gotten to a space where I've done different stages of collecting things. Like I used to collect DVDs, like really expensive, oh. ridiculous DVDs. And then I got to collecting watches because that was more expensive. And then I kind of went to like, like kind of, um, they're not small cars, but the larger kind of die cast cars, the ones that you build out. So oh, I started cool. doing those and I had like a little, um like this old watch display, but it had enough space in it. I could put each one, like I had a showroom. Yeah. I don't have any of that stuff anymore. Uh, kind now, of
1: cool sounding though, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I, it, it is. And now it's Funko Pops because I, I'm a, i I'm a child um, and they're, they're a lot of fun. All right. The last real question I have before I get into some rapid fire questions for you. As a media relations manager for a museum, what skills do you think you rely on most and like, which ones are you kind of developing? Um, and is there a part of your job that's really surprised you in the, the five years, five plus years you've been there?
1: Um, interesting questions. I would say definitely, uh, I mean, this might sound trite, but communications related yeah. uh, skills. So anything involving interacting with other people, um, writing communicating just verbally, um, all of that, uh, creative problem solving a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, understanding the audience, which I guess is true for a lot of, um, people, but I, I like to figure out what makes someone tick enough to see what they'd be interested in. So how do I phrase this so that you can be as psyched about this as I am, because it's really cool, you know, and people are interested in different things and different, um, types of stories. So it's trying to figure out, you know, what, whether it's, what outlet would, would be interested in this artifact or this story or specifically which reporter even at that outlet. Right. Um, but it's also, how do I, how do I frame this for them? You know, their interest seems to be specifically in technology and culture and architecture. I don't know. So you, you look at kind of what have they done in the past, what inspires them and, um, and how do, how do we fit in there? Um, so that's, a lot of kind of what I do, and and coordination of logistics again and again and again, which um, you know <laughs> is really true for any job.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's yeah. it's one of those things where um, sometimes people can't see that connection and correlation. Sometimes, and it's like part of the this I would imagine part of the the storytelling component is this thing, whatever the thing may be. It fits and this is why it fits and we happen to have it. So let's have a dialogue about that and maybe kind of flesh out that what that looks like. Um, and the different people that I interview, like I'm friends with a chef that his, the ethos of his restaurant is foraging certain ingredients, what have you. And I happen to interview an artist who forages, um, the color from different plants to dye. Her works, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Those things go together. Let's have a conversation." And, oh, I, and be in being that kind have, of spot, yeah,
1: we have things that cross with that too. Interestingly enough, we tell in our uh, not to get everything connected, but um, uh, in our uh, spying section at the very end of our museum experience talks about. Um, at the marketplace. So when you have one country looking at the economics of another country and trying to get in on whatever is selling well, whether it's tea or porcelain yeah. or, um, you know, uh, today's uh, corn um, that is basically modified to be better um, against certain diseases, whatever it might be. Um, we do have one story about, um, I'm going to butcher uh, how you pronounce it, but cochineal red, mm-hmm. which was really. Um, from an insect on a cactus. Oh wow! And that specific red was very, very popular, and no one could figure out how are these folks making such popular dyes? How do we yeah. get that? We don't. We can't figure it out. So we're going to go send in some people to spy on them and figure it out. And um, interestingly enough, yes, <laughs> it's, it's that, kind of similar.
0: <laughs> that that's great. I'm, I'm going to steal that now. I'm going to steal this idea. It's some. You say cochineal, cochineal red. No.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: All right. All right. Um, rapid fire questions. What do you got? I just added a new one just, just for context. Uh, no. <laughs> well, you already answered that one, so I can get rid of this one, actually. Uh, so favorite Bond actor, since that's the, the most pop culture relevant, like spy espionage situation there. Who, who would it be? Who's the actor? Or maybe even uh, the, maybe the movie, if you can't think of the actor, because I know some people are like, I don't know who it was. It was the one with Holly Berry. And I don't know who the guy was, though.
1: Uh, the guy in that movie was Pierce Brosnan and I agree it is Pierce Brosnan is my favorite bond. People will, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that and that's okay. I'm comfortable in my choice. He is my bond.
0: See, you answered it the way that that's supposed to be answered, where (laughs) the way that this goes is I said what I said, look, it's Pierce Brosnan, (laughs) kick rocks, moving on. Don't spy on me, whatever you need. Uh, (laughs) and i think you touched on this one as well the most popular just for this but let's just refresh it uh most popular item in the in the collection that 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 comes to mind for you
1: man yeah i think we covered a couple of them but um uh i can think of one that's crazy i don't even know if you'll be able to include this in your podcast so you know disclaimer ah body parts um uh we have uh (laughs) scrotum concealment which Um, people are fascinated by and um was actually created by um if anyone's seen Argo, um the the fellow that Ben Affleck played, Tony Mendez, developed the scrotum concealment and it's used to conceal a small radio, um like a transmitter to make sure that you can you can communicate and get out of there. So um just a fascinating piece, people. Cannot stop staring at it.
0: <laughs> that that is a new goal for me. I think I'm going to take podcasting to the next level with that. Just you know, s- scrotum like <laughs> recorder, just I'm flash, so sorry. <laughs> just flash drive, just like plug it in there. No, Mm-mm. nope. Uh, <laughs> if um if I only have one hour, let's say I'm Joe Visitor, I only have one hour to spend at the museum. Like, what are three things I should see? I know I should see everything, but what are like three things that you're like, you know what? on trip number one of 20 in that first hour, this is what you got to see and and keep it moving. Um, Obviously, you know, the scrotum concealment (laughs) item, just, you know.
1: Man, you're asking me about my favorite children. This is tough. Okay. Um, Yeah, so our first room has, uh, it's called Spies and Spy Masters. It has a lot of our tools of the trade, our artifacts. So if you just look upon the walls, it is just, anything and everything you can dream of. Um, so just taking in all of the gallery space, our scrotum concealment is there, our buttonhole camera is there, our rectal toolkit is there, you know, we have a little bit of everything. So I'd start there. Absolutely. Um, I would look at, um, you know, an underrated spot that I think is incredible. Um, is that uh, we talk, so And this is not as speedy response, I suppose, that was but, um, uh, so we talk about, uh, on our, so we have two floors of, um, exhibit space to mm-hmm. give some context. Yeah. The first floor you go to is the fifth floor. That floor looks at the, um, kind of the process of intelligence, uh, collection analysis, um, action. Sure. Uh, so the whole process of, of everything. And, um, people think about collection as the gadgets and the people on the ground doing the work, but they don't tend to think as much about things like, um, you know, science involved in it. Um, We have several stories where people are using science to collect that intelligence. So whether it's taking um, readings of the air to figure out what bomb just went off um, and saying, like, maybe the folks in that country that said it was this kind of bomb are not being truthful. We would not see this much of this in the air. Um, Looking at uh, clothes, we have a fabulous story about a fake laundromat being set up so that um, individuals, uh, would bring their clothes in and there had been uh, bombings and um, the government needed to figure out, you know, is there vanilla on that shirt or is it bomb residue? Who are the people who've been involved in this? So looking at signatures on yeah. clothes, um, I just think that stuff is so cool and and so kind of underrated um, in that space. And that's
0: that's, um, that's legit. That's like it's, it's the spy equivalent of like CSI or vice right versa, CSI or what have you. It's like, well, if this is what happened, then why is this the same? Signature that we're seeing in this terrible fabric that you're wearing.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. Um, I'd also say red teaming. We have a whole room set up to um run a red team exercise, which is where um, you know, I feel like when you're you're collecting the intelligence yourself and you're in it, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes you you run into confirmation bias or some of the other things that that hold people back. And you want a second team to come in and say, okay. So your assumption is that this means this, what else could it mean? Let's poke some holes Mm -hmm. in this. How confident are we that you're, you know, you're not too close to this content. Is this what it really looks like? Um, so you run through that yourself. And, and our example is looking at the Abbottabad complex. And if is Osama bin Laden there, is it someone else? Um, is it a businessman, uh, just a normal criminal, uh, someone else in Al Qaeda, we really dive in and see how confident really are you that this is what's going on. And it's run by none other than Michael morale. So um, the fellow who was uh, deputy director of the CIA. So it's wow. really a special opportunity for visitors. Um,
0: That's really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. All right, I have one last one, um, and I can't help but notice uh, in this this visual. No one else is going to see the visual. so you and I. The visual. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got a good palette going on there. I see some gold. I see some white. I see is that a purple or? Yeah, I like the whole setup. What what is your favorite <laughs> color? What is your, what's the, what what's the color you're rocking with? This has nothing to do with spying, but maybe maybe it will illuminate on a few things like look. I like anything that makes me look hidden. It's like, "Oh, okay."
1: <laughs> no, orange. I like bright bright things. I think that orange okay. is happy, um, exciting, um, yeah, overall, just a just a bright, joyous color.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the color of the, um, the, the local team here in Baltimore. So, yeah, yeah it's extra points. You're, <laughs> you're, you're winning points here. And that's that's wonderful. And thank you. And um, thank you for being on this podcast. So I want to invite you to tell the fine folks um, where they can find you, the Spy Museum, anything you want to really uh, plug away on um, right now. So please. And thank you again for coming on to this podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Truly, truly, um, you can find us at spymuseum.org. Get your tickets. Um, we have a fabulous social media presence. So, for talking Twitter, that would be at in in i n t l international spy museum, or on Instagram, it's at. Spy museum. Um, and, and really anywhere else we have our stuff, come, come visit us in person, come check out our content online, listen to our podcast, spy cast. Um, our historian is fabulous. So he's, he's so much more interesting than me, I promise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, come, come hang out.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. I want to thank you again, Eliza, for coming on to the podcast. And I am going to say that there are museums in and around your city. You just have to look for them.